What is up, everyone? This is Toffee Blues USA. Welcome to you, uh, your source for all things Everton, uh, American style, which basically means it's like a typical Toffee Blues show, except it's us, and we're we're all right. We just we're still working on the cool accents. Just saying. Yeah, we speak funny. Yeah, yeah, we speak funny in that my my uh, my accent is really bland. That's how funny, funny my speech is. It's just not a lot, unless I say where I'm from, and then you get my southern twang, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It comes out when I say that. <laughs> anyway, uh, joining me today, for those of you who are listening via podcast and cannot see his magnificent, smiling visage, we've got joining us again today from Cincinnati Toffees, but also Toffee Targets, also from various poetry competitions. We've got Jake. Jake Holton is back, folks. Jake, Hello. It's good, good to have you back, man. It's good to be back, man. I love <laughs> coming on here and just, you know, shooting the breeze about Everton football for, you know, a little over an hour and you're hanging out. It's funny, like, every time, like, before recording, I get the nerves, you know? I get the nerves, and I do with all the prep, and I, and I, and I do and then I, I push record and, and we start going and I'm like, this, I get to do this with somebody cool and I can just kind of relax and this is great. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. So, so speaking of somebody cool, Jake Holton is here. So you've met him like a few times already, everybody, you know, you're, you're becoming like a, a Jake Holton expert, if you will, a Holtonite. All right. That's what we're, that's what we're calling your, your people, <laughs> the Holtonites. Uh, Holtonian works as well. Uh, so, <laughs> so we are going to give people even more insight into Jake because I, I can only, only go through uh, so much so many times. Jake, we're going to do a lightning round, 10 questions with you about random things. I wrote these down quickly. Apologies if they're not great questions. Uh, <laughs> I've done this in a different form on, on different Toffee Blues programs before. It's as abbreviated. Um, but, and maybe the next time Jake's on, we'll, we'll do this again. Different questions, maybe more. We'll see. So, we'll Jake, see rapid fire, whatever comes to your mind. If they're tough questions, I, I, I'm really sorry. There's no math involved. I'm letting That's you good. know right now because uh, I didn't have the mental strength to write the questions of math. So, if you are ready, we are going to begin. And let's do start, this. Start the pretend timer. Click. Jake Holton, what's your favorite movie trilogy? John Wick. John Wick. Didn't see that coming. Uh, question two: Which Hogwarts house are you? Uh, I actually just took the quiz yesterday for the very first time, and I'm a Hufflepuff. Oh, you are a Hufflepuff. Oh, I am not. I'm Ravenclaw, actually. Yes, I've taken the quiz. That's yes, where I I'm, wanted to be, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm 40, 42 years old and I took the quiz. It happened. <laughs> All right. So, next question. So this is a weird one. If you had to support another Premier League team, who would it be? 
I was between Everton and Arsenal when I first started, so it would probably be Arsenal. I feel like you've said that before. That actually sounds familiar because I remember my friend who I told you before you look like and sound like, he's an Arsenal supporter. Mm -hmm. So that just makes it even weirder. Okay, so question four. Television question. What are you streaming and binging these days? days? Okay, so I – Started a long time ago, I started watching House of Cards, and I know it's a bit controversial because of, you know, uh, things that happen, but it's a really good series. The acting is is phenomenal. The storylines are very gripping, so I'm getting through that, um, and I am slow-burning The Queen's Gambit because it's phenomenal. I don't want to burn through it, so I'm trying to, like, do that short short bursts at a time. Yeah. Had a lot of fun with that one so far. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And House of Cards, um, how are you with Spacey's uh, Southern accent on that? Are you okay with that? It's okay. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I go in and out. I, I'm like touchy about people doing Southern accents and it turns into Foghorn Leghorn. And so right. it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, like every... <laughs> I'm not a Southerner, so like I'm not really sure yeah. about the etiquette of a Southern accent. And what I'm supposed to be critiquing, so. Yeah, every time, like, sometimes I'm like, hey, that sounds, and then I'm like, oh, no, don't do that mint julep on the front porch accent. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I'm always, like, vexed about that kind of thing. And Robin, Robin Wright, by the way, is my entire reason for watching that show. She's, like, a freaking empress. She's, She's good, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, next question. If you could vacation anywhere in Asia, where would you go? Big continent. Thailand. Thailand. Oh, that would be mine. Cool answer. Well, and the reason why is I train a lot of martial arts and I do Muay Thai. And we've got a couple people in our gym who have gone to Thailand and they show me the pictures and they talk about the training and the locale. Mm. And I'm just like, Thailand sounds like a cool place to go. It does. It does. Uh, I grew up watching the movie Kickboxer randomly on HBO. So I'm like, that's not the best introduction to that, I don't think. Anyway, all right. (laughs) So (laughs) next question. If I visited Cincinnati, what's something awesome I should do or see? Huh. Um, I would do... I would do a tour of like all of the Cincinnati breweries. Like, I'm, I'm sure that is something that you can do, and there are a lot of really good breweries in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest if you like beer and that kind of thing, doing a tour of all the, the breweries in Cincinnati would be something you'd be into. You have somehow tapped into my personality. That is great. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I know uh, me and the wife would definitely enjoy doing that. Not sure if the kids would be too into it. Uh, yeah, but, but it's hard to say. Uh, next question. Jake Holden, what's your favorite book? Uh, see, I'm not much of a reader. Um, I think the, the best book I've ever read is The Things They Carry. I think that's the best book I've ever read. It's that a really is, good book. That's it's, a great answer. Yeah, it's it's well it's well told, it's well written. It's um that author's really good. I like I like the work he does and, and I like I I really enjoyed reading that book. What type of stuff when you actually do read? I know we've talked about reading Everton books before. 
is is it typically that kind of like more nonfiction type of stuff? I like not, I like both fiction and nonfiction. Right now, I've got a couple of different books. Uh, I've got an Everton book I'm still reading. I've got a book on Chernobyl that I'm reading. Um, I've got a I've got the prequel to the Game of Thrones series, the the uh, the Targaryen book. I'm, I haven't you know, read I've, that. I started that a long time ago. Um, but yeah, so I like to mix it up. I like to do yeah. some historical nonfiction. Uh, I like to do some some fantasy, you know, fiction books. You know, I read the very first Harry Potter book, and I have not read the other ones yet. It was a while ago, but yeah. yeah. Well, the the early ones are so targeted toward younger folk, the younger yeah. younger kids. So yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. We're reading all those out loud with our kids, and we're currently in the middle of Goblet of Fire. So yeah, out loud. Which means poor Jerry's voice, which suffers already. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Very cool. All right. So uh, next, if you could be in one band, it could be any band through history, could be current. Who, which band would that be? Wow. Throughout history, huh? Or it could be right now. Up to you. If you, if you, were, if you were to say Hanson, I'm not going to judge you, man. I think I'm going to stick with a current band and, you know, a band that I'm really into right now. And, you know, they're working on their second studio album. Um, it's Bad Flower. Uh, it's just a really cool group of guys. I mean, they play some uh, alternative rock and roll. And, you know, they just seem like a really tight group of guys who mm -hmm. like goofing around and having fun and making music together. And uh, it's just... It's just it's, it's really up my alley, and cool. I discovered it with one song on the radio, and it's like sometimes you just listen to that one song and like, huh, I wonder what the rest of their stuff is like, and then you just fall into this yeah. rabbit hole and into a, into a massive fan. So yeah, that's awesome. Power. That's a that's a cool little discovery. Then yeah, very cool. All right, so uh, next question nine: the best meal you've ever had. What the best meal I ever had? Wow. I don't, I don't know if I've ever had like a super memorable meal. So I'm going to go with a, a one that I thought was maybe not the meal itself, like the food itself, but like the experience. Um, when I was working for an MMA gym, we had like a big like staff dinner. Mm -hmm. And we went to Montgomery Inn, which is a, a famous ribs joint in Cincinnati. There's a couple different locations. And it was around Christmas time and we just, we had a ball. We, we, you know, the dinner was phenomenal. The food was great. The conversations were hilarious. Like it was just like a, a really good time. So yeah. I think that's the best meal I've ever had. See, I was hoping for a story attached to it. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. See, it, that, that question's only a little bit about the food. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> And my final question of, of what has not really been a rapid fire, more just a cool information session on Jake. Jake, what was your favorite Christmas present of all time? Your favorite one you ever got? Let's see here. Try to come up with a, an answer for this question. So you're asking a person who has like a terrible memory. So I'm like trying to jog the memory and like get in there and be like, come up with something. 
Dude, um, I'm going through my memory right now and I'm having trouble because, you know, I'm getting older and it's just not as good. It was probably, you know, this is probably a bit of a cliche answer, but it's really true. I mean, I loved riding a bike when I was a kid. So any kind of, any time I got a bike for Christmas, it was, it was awesome because I loved riding my bike when I was a child. So, and I was a natural at it, which was funny because I was, I was always kind of clumsy it wasn't very coordinated, uh-huh. but you know, they stuck me and my twin sister on a bike. And the very first time I got on it, I'm like riding around the yard, like it's nothing. Whoa. That's awesome. And it was hilarious. <laughs> that does, that's not common. I will say that as someone who's had to get two kids working on riding bikes, that's not a, not a common thing. So it was, it was like nothing. It's like, I've been riding my bike since I was forever. Like since I came out, like it just, Came out riding a bicycle, like got on it, no problems at all. Nice, very cool. So, do you remember Took the training wheels off like that, and I was, I was gone. Do you remember which bike was your favorite? Like one that had training wheels on it? Was it the first one you remember getting, or was it like when you were older and you were like? I don't oh. think it was my first one. I think it was. So I had a bike when I was, you know, probably um, in like the ten to twelve range. It mm-hmm. was a. Uh, a black huffy bike and it was it was nice it was uh it wasn't anything fancy but like yeah. i liked it my my favorite was a black huffy bike too this is weird all right cool that's really funny very cool i like it man yeah this is great jake that's all the questions i hope i didn't delve too much into your personal life no there uh i don't think so i'm trying to make sure uh everybody gets a gets a chance to know you a little you know <laughs> get to get to get to know jake so uh everybody just to to wrap up a little bit i did mention uh jake's of the cincinnati toppies he also uh works uh does does some work uh toffee targets all right so i want to make sure we gave you a little uh plug on there uh jake um anything coming out recently we need to be aware of um i didn't do a reaction piece to the burnley match but the last thing i did was a preview of the burnley match there will be the um, the Chelsea match hopefully coming out on Friday. If not on Friday, it will be out Saturday morning. And then um, I'm going to get back into doing – there will be a reaction piece to the Chelsea match as well uh, on Monday. should be Very out on cool. Monday. So. I don't know how you find the time, Jake. You're a it's, flipping yeah, machine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a I single can... man. Like, you know, I've got a little extra time. Like, you know. <laughs> There's some time in there, and you know, I just cram it in. Ah, oh, jeez, I I would be sitting there obsessing over details, and it would take me forever. I'm just letting you know, that's that's awesome. Uh, very cool. So, everyone, check that out. Make sure we're supporting uh, supporting our Jake. Uh, yeah. So for the uh, just to go ahead and give you everybody else a heads up about the rest of the show, we're going to talk about Burnley. It happened. It was a thing. We're going to talk about that. Then we'll do a mailbag, rather extensive mailbag. Um, but hopefully we can uh, get to our points succinctly. We're worried about myself on that one. Uh, and then we'll go Chelsea preview, and uh, it'll be done. It'll be time to knock back a couple brews and hang out. Just kidding. I'll probably go to sleep. I may be crazy asleep into your Thursday. Yeah. Yes, uh, just got a nice little Thursday night planned here. Uh, go by Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, <laughs> so... So uh, really quick, I did want to make sure I have to do the Toppy Blues plug thing. Check in the description of either the podcast or YouTube or whatever, however you're 
absorbing this material. Check in the description. There's a link if you're getting anything uh, Everton Direct wise. Uh, click on that link. It may be maybe good for for people involved. Just saying. So there it is. It's a it's a link. Uh, let's do it. So all right. I'm flipping this card because we're moving on. Next, Burnley. Burnley. Um, yeah, the big fundamental struck again. Um, so, uh, spo spoiler alert, if you've been waiting to watch that recording, don't listen and right now. It's 1-1. 1 1 weird one. Kind of a weird one, just the way, uh, the way everything went down. Um, so, I'll give you some talking points, Jake, and I'm going to see where you want to go. I have one particularly needy place where I would like to get to at some point. So, I'll probably okay. throw that in if for some reason you don't choose it. But I have a feeling you'll pick it. So, another DCL goal. Yes. Uh, a rich, a rich, rich assist, but uh, still yes. not scoring. Uh, allowing the early goal. Uh, the switch, the forced switch from a back three to a back four. Uh, holy hell, Delft's hurt again. Uh, Gilfy, are you serious, man? And... Uh, and just the overall performance. So, where do you want to go, Jake? Let's – I'm going to get this out of the way because it's very annoying. Let's start with Gilfie. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I mean, just – this is twice now. This is twice that he's done this. Uh, there was the Manchester United match, which was the last match before lockdown last year, right? If you remember – he was fed the ball, and before all that chaos happened, he had a shot on goal where if he goes to either corner, David De Gea doesn't have a chance to save it, and we don't have to go through the ridiculous offsides nonsense VAR, you know, that we went through and struggled mm -hmm. afterwards. But, like, it's just, it's just really frustrating because – a couple of years ago, he was a really good player. He was scoring goals. He was assisting goals. He was fine. And now he seemed to have lost just everything. Yeah. You know, the Gilfie Sigerson from two seasons ago don't, doesn't miss that chance. There's, not, there's no way. He puts right. it in the back of the net. He's a hero. Everson walk out of there with three points. So it's just ah, so frustrating. So do you, frustrating. Do you think that, like – not having as many minutes and him not recently having been in front of the goal for Everton in the Premier League game. He's just not in front of the goal that often. Is it the kind of thing that's just gotten into his head a little bit? I think that's a possibility. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's lacking confidence. Like a striker lacking, somebody lacking confidence probably probably doesn't even like look to shoot that ball. They look up and try to maybe see if there's another runner coming into the box. I don't know. Uh, I mean, from what I've seen, Gilfie Sigerson isn't really lacking confidence. It's just the skills aren't there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, it's just, maybe it's, maybe you're right though. Maybe, maybe he's rusty. Maybe he just doesn't get that many opportunities. So when one does drop at his feet, literally, you know, it's just, expecting him to finish that is maybe I'm not going to say that's unfair because he's a professional 
and his job is to finish those chances, but you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. a bit unrealistic to expect him to finish those chances. We'll, we'll, we'll word it that way. See, here's the thing, I, and I, I, I think you're, I think you're being kind there, which I think is it's it's good to be kind, right? Uh, I, I think we we know Gilfie Sigurdsson normally finishes those, and to me, that points to something off you know what I mean something I feel like he's a good player I feel like he's a good player I just there are times where I feel like we're not seeing the effort as much um there are times where and then and then there are other times where he's pressing like crazy and you see the work rate it's a very odd inconsistency and it makes me wonder if he's just not happy at Everton right now and it's he's a human being you know uh, that's yep. me. That's me trying to be kind, you know. But I think if I'm going to be like my, if you're if you're being brutal, it's Gilfie Sigurdsson normally slots that period. He has to. He normally does, right? Like or you, has, you, you right? can't, you cannot get into that position where you are. He maybe even had a minute to like assess where he wanted to go. He took that shot really quickly, and. Mm-hmm. I think when you go back and you watch it, the Burnley defenders aren't really in a position where they're going to close him down immediately. So maybe, you know, you look at where Pope is positioned. If he just takes a small touch towards the right and flicks it into the right corner, there's not a chance in the world Pope gets anywhere near it. So I just, it's just insane. That's such a good opportunity to win the match and to not, convert is just a huge blow yeah it's a weird thing because i looked at it you know just like everybody else has everybody's seen the behind the goal view uh where you see keeper's placement you see um everybody's seen it Um, i will say if you're trying to shoot quickly and trying to get the ball off quickly uh, and trying to think quickly um, I, I, I think my normal reaction as a right-footed player would be to keep my hips closed and just knock it if I'm thinking quickly. And that's me. I'm, I'm not as good as Gilfie Sigurdsson. <laughs> I'm not nearly as experienced. <laughs> but because it does take you a second to take that, to, yeah. to, for it to occur to you to open those hips up and, and feed it to that other direction if you're going to if you're going to use your right foot right unless you're going to and his natural tendency is to use his strong foot right yeah so so yeah uh, do i think it takes an extra second for him to maybe assess and do i do i think we absolutely maul him if he takes us a, a quick touch and that gets blocked yeah yeah probably it's a really tough situation for him because, like, the only situation where he doesn't get raked over the coals is the one where he puts it in the back of the net. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really small margin of, you know, praise for Gilfie Sigurdsson in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. But you know what? I would have loved to see him get that little I, – I, I, I do think he needs a moment like that. I think, uh, I think it would just be good for – it would be good for him. Uh, and, and I mean, because right now I'm not sure. Like he just doesn't have a starting space right now, regular nope. starting slot for us. Period. Mm-hmm. 
And I got to be honest, if you're Gilfie Sigurdsson, you're thinking you should be starting somewhere, like a lot, right? And, and if you're not, you're going to be kind of pissed off. So, yeah. So anyway, either yeah. you're training hard and it's yielding, you know, bearing fruit, or you're training hard and it's not, you're frustrated, or you're not training hard which wouldn't be very professional. So one of those, right? Anyway, I don't really know how much more we can go into this. I feel like we've- Dude, I think all. we've exhausted everything that we can with the Gilfie Sigerson situation. Uh, getting, getting all the Gilfie mileage. So uh, where do you want to go next? What's another talking point you want to hit up? I think I'd like to go into the general match reaction just the, the the game as a whole the match overall performance yeah um yeah. i think i've got a, a bit of a different take you know i saw a lot of people um kind of tearing into everton a little bit like oh you know that was a terrible performance what was that you know this that and the next thing and i don't really agree with that right and here's so they gave in the goal three minutes into the match and you kind of put your head in your hands. Like, why is this happening again? Why are we going through this again? Um, but after that, right. Everton starts to get into the match a little bit. They calm down. They're passing better. Um, they're create, they're starting to create chances. And this doesn't really start happening until about 15, 20 minutes into the match. And then, Fabian Delph gets hurt and things change even more drastically where we have to switch to a back four and then the ball is really being moved around. Right. And we're really creating chances. Um, and there were some really excellent crosses uh, brought in by Alex Awobi, who had another really good game. You know, that's his third good match in a row. It's really good to see from Alex Awobi. Yeah. Um, and then we get the goal at the end of the first half and you're like, okay, here we go. So we're going to come out and we're probably going to get a winner in the second half and that never happened, but it was another match where Everton had six shots on target. They had like 13 or 14. I don't remember the exact number of total shots. Nick Pope made a couple of really, really excellent saves. Yeah. Uh, that one on James Rodriguez was bonkers where that, if he doesn't get across, that's finding the upper left-hand corner of the goal without fail. Um, he was lucky to save that Dominic Calvert-Lewin chance early in the first half where Dominic Calvert-Lewin just kind of kicks it and it just happens to go right at Nick Pope's legs in a close quarter scenario. But, like, I think Everton, once again, were unlucky to not win. Um, now, it's different where I thought they were unlucky to not get a point against Leeds, this is different where, because I thought they should have won against Burnley, but yeah, it's, it's just unlucky. And I know that's on, you know, not a popular opinion, but it is what it is. No, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's a bad opinion either. You know what I mean? I, I was annoyed. We didn't win. I thought we could have, I think it's one of those things where you watch that same tape and you say, this was a draw. I think there may be a little bit of a surprise, you know, but I, I don't think we played stellar. You know what I mean? I, I don't think we were far and away the better team, you know? I think we got burnley 
You know what I mean? <laughs> they burnleyed the crap out of us. So we, let's, let's make Burnley a verb. Can we do that by now? I, I mean, I think you can turn anything into a verb. If you try just, hard enough. Let's verbify Burnley. You know, I mean, because we've, we've, we've seen it happen before. Teams play Burnley, and maybe they have the better of the chances, and uh, they don't come away with the, all the points. It's a common thing. So I, I feel like it's the kind of thing where, you know, yeah, I could see it happening. You know, I'm not – and I don't think we played great, and I, I'm not – I'm happy we didn't lose. That's a weird – and that, I feel a little negative about it, but I feel like we didn't play our best game, and we still managed to not lose. Could be, you know, that could be worse. Because Burnley could have Burnley does like worse. You know what I mean? It could have yeah. been a Burnley or performance <laughs> result, you know? So uh, I, I don't think Burnley is, is their strongest this season. I don't. No, uh, I, I think they'll probably get relegated, to be honest. Mm. Uh, well, that'll be a, a strange thing with. Sean Deitch not not in the Premier League. Uh, it's been a it's been weird. I'm I'm used to it now. Uh, this sensation of just watching bulky dudes up front get scrappy yeah, you know, goals. Honestly, it, you know, a little <laughs> off topic, but if Burnley went down, I'd actually like to see Crystal Palace fire Roy Hodgson and just install Sean Deitch and see what he can do with a little bit of talent. I think that'd be fun. Mm. But that's just me. Interesting. Very interesting. So. Anyway, overall performance, I'm glad we showed some spirit and got the draw. Am I angry we didn't win? Yeah, because going into that, I thought it should have been three points. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I think it should have been. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a Carlo out guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not throwing anything in my house, you know. And I wasn't so angry that it made me clean my house, which happens when we play like <laughs> dog turds, you know. So I wasn't that angry. So right. Okay, where do you want to go now? Because I got you mentioned something where I wanted to go. You have a guess yep. as to what it was. What's that? Mm. Delph's injury, but not to talk about Delph necessarily. Delph's injury. Yes, four studs to go, four in the back, and I feel like almost everyone noticed a different shift in our energy and in mm -hmm. the gameplay. Is this, so it, here's the thing. It, do we have the personnel when we have Coleman and Dean injured? Do we have the personnel to go four in the back for the games coming up? Uh, or do we just, you know, because this leads into something we're going to be talking about in the mailbag too. So I don't want to totally exhaust the conversation. Right. But, it, it did seem – so what do you think it was the shift of going to a different formation mid-half that threw them off? Or do you think it was just that maybe we're just a squad that works a little bit better uh, for in the back? Or is it the fact that we're playing Burnley? I, Burnley are uh, not a good defensive team this year, but, you know, Sean Dyche is a very good manager, I think. Mm-hmm. He's Great. able to uh, organize his players very well, even if their defense does not show that in the number of goals they let in. But I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't really buy that 
you know, they weren't prepared for switching to four at the back because I think that was always a possibility mm-hmm. that Everton might switch up the formation and throw four mm-hmm. at the back this against Burnley anyway. So I don't mm-hmm. buy into that. Uh, I buy into the formation itself switching is kind of what changed Everton up. Going into that match, you know, I was telling anybody who would listen that Everton needs to switch back to four at the back. I don't necessarily have a problem with three at the back. In fact, um, my favorite formation in football is a three-five-two. However, Everton don't really have the players to be playing three at the back, in my opinion, um, because you need you need ball playing center backs, right? And Michael Keane is a decent ball playing center back. We've talked about that before. He's you know he had the one pass in the game on on. Saturday, he just passed it through the entire midfield yeah. without an without an issue and started. He breaks he breaks the lines. It's it's cool to watch it sometimes, man. So Michael Keane is a good ball playing center back. Uh, Yuri Mina is not a good ball playing center back, but he's a very good defensive center back. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not really going to out jump Yuri Mina for a header, um, and the only thing that's really hurting him sometimes is being caught out of position and not having to the pace to recover. Right. And not noticing where he's got coverage and take it, you know, stepping out and and closing someone down. Um, right. And then you got Ben Godfrey, who in the past has picked the ball up from the center back position and carried it all the way down to almost the other box. So I mean, we do have some players, but I just I just don't believe that the defenders that we have in the midfield setup that we have is you know conducive to a successful back three defense so I I just think switching to a back four kind of made that midfield a little bit stronger they talked about it in the commentate the commentators talked about it they were able to drop a midfielder back and try and and kind of be able to switch play more easily yeah Um, the only thing that was was hurting them was they weren't really getting those runs forward from the left back position because Ben Godfrey had to switch to left back. And he did come, I I did notice he came forward a couple of times, but Mm -hmm. he's not making those deep overlapping runs. So the switches of play aren't as frequent and it kind of made everything a little bit more stagnated and made it easier to kind of shut down Alex Iwobi and Hamas a little bit. So the passing was better and we did create more chances. However, it did kind of, handcuffed us to a certain degree because it made certain players isolated but you know I think switching from the back three to the back four was really the big thing that got the the uh the attacking runs going what do you think man I I, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I I think that honestly I uh, to set up a three in the back which is practically five at the back but you know we say this all the time but yep. uh, against Burnley, which is not really uh, like one of those like, hey, potent offense kind of teams, <laughs> right? It's not really what you think about. And I think that was just, I think it was an odd choice to not start from four at the back there. I think uh, I, I thought he would go with the three or five at the back because we didn't play poorly against Leeds. You know, I didn't think, because we, we didn't. It wasn't a no. poor game uh, no. from us overall. I think defensively we allowed way too many shots on goal, way too many opportunities. But uh, it wasn't a poor game necessarily overall. So 
I had a feeling he was going to do that. Um, but if, it seems like switching a game plan based on a team, uh, Burnley's the kind of team where I don't think we need to stack the back as much. So I think it was more appropriate, right? And I think we talked about it, I talked about it a little bit last week's show. Uh, just, you, you know, maybe you treat Burnley differently. And I think that was, you know, one of the things that showed is that we didn't need all that extra, extra stuff in the back, you know, but what we're going to, what we're dealing with here, Jake, what we're dealing with here is just, we just, this is the thinnest doggone team. Man. Yeah. We, this is, this is legit. I said, I said it's held together with duct tape and it so is. It's, it's just it's such a duct tape yeah, type defense. Um, and until no Coleman, yeah, it, it, it just, it hurts because it's so much like having to cobble it together, you know? Um, and I don't, so yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss because I, I do feel like there's times where rolling three and five at the back is the smart plan because of our personnel, because Luca Dean's hurt, because Coleman's hurt, you know, because I don't, I, I don't know if I trust certain players in certain positions. I don't know, man. Uh, and when we talk about the Chelsea match coming up, I don't know what we're going to do. Just talking about just then, I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I wrote down four at the back, but maybe it'll be five now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Um, all I know is there was an energy shift when that happened, and I felt much better about our chances of winning the game. Yes. Hard to deny that feeling. Yes. So, anyway. You want to touch anything else or you want to move on? We got a big mailbag to do. So you're calling all that. I would just like to quickly add that I know you said something about how Richarlison had an assist, but he hasn't scored yet. Right. Um, I, I don't really read into that a whole lot because we don't need him to be scoring, really. Not right now, anyway. Not with Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the form he's in. And mm -hmm. it would be nice to get a couple more goals out of Richarlison, but I, he'll get there. You know, mm -hmm. I think we can expect anywhere between six and ten goals from him this season. And, you know, right now he's he's still putting shots on goal. They just mm -hmm. haven't gone in yet. You know, right. he had a couple more on, on Saturday. So his his goals will come. It's just we we got to be a little patient. And I think – and I mentioned that because because I've heard people mention his, like, scoreless streak. You know what I mean? Like – He's just not scoring a whole lot of goals for us. For me, here's the thing. I'm looking at it in terms of his performance. How'd he look? How'd he look? How'd he play? Was he helping to create chances? Yes, absolutely. And let's consider the fact that his role is different this season. We are not yeah. playing a two-striker system where he's going to be as close to the goal as he was last season. He's going to have far fewer opportunities to score. Now, is he missing some some of the opportunities that he's had recently yes is he putting them just barely within reach yes uh it is happening but you know what he that assist last game was nice it was fantastic you know what i mean and i see him the the defensive work he puts in yep. is absurd when i i was i remember watching like uh, the last game and i was like whoa who just slid in and took whoa <laughs> what you know, and I was just, yeah, just so much more respect. When you see a player come back like that, who's known for scoring goals and doing pigeon dances, and you see him do that. That's just badass, man. Yeah, it's just it's the most um, underrated part of this game, for sure. So, so I mentioned that as a talking point, but for me, the, the actual talking point is 
Is he performing? Is he getting opportunities? The goals will come if he's getting opportunities. I'm not really sweating it, but is he helping to create opportunities? Is he playing well defensively? What's his, you know, is he staying on the doggone field? You know, all that's good, you know, and let's keep him healthy, you know, because he gets fouled a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. So anything else? Good stuff. Sweet. That's it. Let's move on to the mailbag. Mailbag time. Uh, these are questions sent in from various corners of the internet world. Uh, first, we're gonna, I have to start with a, with a question uh, from, a, from a friend. All right. Uh, our Paul from Twitter, uh, Paul McAllister, asked an interesting question. I don't know the actual answer to it. And I feel like it's a much longer conversation than we're going to be able to give this. All right. But he was bringing up the conversation of comparing Premier League teams to U.S. states. Okay based on personality, perception of the way other people see, that kind of thing. And his question was, if Everton were a U.S. state, which one would it be? All right. Um, he said United would be California. Uh, see, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. I'm just going to say, there's a way where this could be super negative about certain states. So I think maybe we have to have a certain amount of uh, – sense of humor about whatever state in which we live because this is the kind of thing that could go accidentally mean really quickly so <laughs> should be all in good fun and trying to figure out ways to uh to say this stuff okay so anyway uh he mentioned the possibility that uh united would be california and liverpool would be like new york and arsenal would be like texas so he gives reasons uh, but Jake, anything come off the top of your head? Cause like I said, I think this is actually a fun, cool conversation, but our mailbag list is so deep. Our, the, the mailbag is deep today. So gotta, we gotta make sure we don't spend too, too much time on this. Who's your U S state that is Everton. I think Everton, I'm going to pick two. So I'm going to do. I'm gonna do Ohio, our my state, and then I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna do Everton. I'm gonna make our, our I'm gonna make Ohio pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so Everton, I thought about this when I saw the question, and I'm like, for whatever reason, the state that stands out to most to me is Maryland. Um, Maryland is a state that is filled with a lot of hardworking people. Mm -hmm. It's a state that's got a long history of workers on boats and on docks especially in baltimore which if i had to pick a city where i thought everton would be in the united states baltimore is kind of the city where i like picture everton playing in mm -hmm. it, it just kind of feels like a city that would kind of encapsulate that everton fan base yeah i how you feel about that we, we've got an assessment I think your assessment is, is very sound. I, my, my honest answer to start off with, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking Ohio. If I'm, if I'm being, if I'm being honest, uh, I don't know if, if there's a, a direct city that I immediately link to, uh, to, to Liverpool or anything uh, immediately. But I think uh, when I think about the, 
industry, you know, the idea of there being some hardworking folks there, um, the idea of maybe their their teams not getting, uh, uh, you know, their team not maybe really getting the recognition at times. Uh, I don't know. Immediately, I think Ohio, just because I feel like it just feels like more like a, you know, hardworking blue collar type of spot, you know, and honestly, and I, and I said this before even remembering that you were on Jake, I wrote my answer down and, and because I'm, I'm meeting a lot of uh, Ohio based Evertonians on this show. There's a lot of them. I didn't realize that. And I feel like that's interesting. Very interesting. So uh, I'd love to say it's North Carolina. I just don't think it's North Carolina, you know? Um, so, yeah. Uh, I like your Maryland answer. Um, uh, especially because I feel like Maryland's kind of, you know, has, is, is old and has a lot of history as well, you know? A bit of an overlooked state, too. Not many, not many people, you know, talking about the state of Maryland. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I don't know. I think about the, the, the personality of some of the folks in, in the Midwest, though. I feel like, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's a question, honest question. I always hear about how, and I've experienced it, how nice a lot of the Midwest folks are. Uh, every, and and all, the, all, the scout, all the scouts folks that I've met and all the uh, Everton supporters I've met from England have all been really cool to me. So is there, or, uh, or do we... Are Ohioans more of a no nonsense type of group? It's like they don't tolerate any nonsense, but they still are willing to, you know, buy you a drink and say, hey. <laughs> I feel like uh, I can only speak to really Cincinnati in particular. I feel like Cincinnati's a, a pretty nice city. I feel like people around here are, are pretty accepting of most mm -hmm. people and most, you know, um, I, I like talking to people who are out of town. So like if I go to a Reds game and I see somebody at the ballpark and they're, you know, wearing the colors of a different team or, you know, look like they're from out of town and they're, you know, I like to talk to them. You know, I like to sit mm -hmm. there and, and, you know, pick their brain about what they think and, and, you know, their thoughts on their team. But like, I, 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 I like to think generally that Cincinnati is a very nice city, a very generous mm -hmm. city, you know, very welcoming. Yeah. Crazy drivers, though. Terrible drivers. Mental note. Okay. Good to know. So, so yeah. I, 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 go, I go with a, a quick knee-jerk Ohio answer. But I was really and, – and, Paul, I'm just, this is a message to you. I think this is a really hard friggin' question, okay, that demands more thought than I was able to give it time, okay? Ohio <laughs> is my knee-jerk answer, but I think this could take a while especially if you're talking about doling out all the states. Holy crap, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is a deep, deep question. So I got to move on, Paul. I'm sorry, but we'll give it attention at a different time. Uh, next one. Next question. This is from uh, Jake. Uh, if the rumor – Not this, Jake. Oh, this is, my, this is mine. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right, moving on. 
So Jake was in a. It's actually uh, it's actually from a different Jake in in in, in Everton group chat that I'm. Oh, I, I just put your name being Jake just because it came from you, and I was being a goober. I didn't realize there's. Yeah. Every Everton fan is named Jake over here, apparently, by the way. I actually want to get, I want to make sure that I have that right. Make sure I got the right name here. Go ahead. You can, you can go ahead and do the question. I just want to make sure I got the right name. Okay. So, and I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I've not heard this rumor, by the way. But if the rumor is correct that Nkunku and Kenny are going on loan in January, what does our defense look like going forward? Three at the back. Uh, with wing backs for the next two to three months or what? Okay. And we, we started talking about this a little while ago and uh, my, my, my gut on this man is that I think we're going to see fluctuating based on situation. I don't want to see, to see that by the way, I, I no. part of me would rather get some stability, but I, I that's what I, I don't know. I kind of think that's what's going to happen. What about you, dude? So real quick, Andrew Weaver was the guy who sent that out in our group chat. So shout out to Andrew. Um, Not everybody's named Jake. That's an Evertonian. Whoever told you that is wrong. There's an Andrew in there. Yeah. So anyway, um, now I'd like to preface this by saying, I, I think that this rumor can't possibly be true due to the sure lack of depth in this squad, I think sending two guys who are fullbacks out on loan would be incredibly stupid, in my opinion. But let's just play the let's just play this out a little bit, okay? So, sure. if they go out on loan, then I think you don't really have much of a choice than play other than playing a three at the back, uh, just due to the uh, personnel that you have in your squad. Um, what if what if we bring two other people in on loan? I I really man I really don't think that would happen. Even if they sent those two guys out on loan, I just bringing in two fullbacks on loan while sending two out on loan that just seems, especially with how little Everton do in in the January window, that just seems un, unrealistic to me mm. anyway. Uh, but anyway, if those guys get sent out on loan, if we're playing out this this uh, this hypothetical then I think you would see an awful lot of three at the back. Um, you know, obviously Ben Godfrey played at left back this past weekend against Burnley for a time. You've, you've seen him play at right back. We've seen him play at center back. He has played at central defensive mid. So he is flexible. Ben Godfrey is flexible. You can move him around. Now, I don't know how good of a performance you're going to get, how, you know, depending on how much you move him around to different areas of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But we have more center back depth than anywhere else, right? So if you're going to play three at the back, you can play Alex Awobi and Tom Davies on the wing. You can – plus we've we got uh, Gabamon who's going to be coming back soon, really soon. So you can play him in the midfield and kind of free up another player for a wing back. I think Andre Gomes – in a pinch could play in one of those wing back positions. I'd like to see, you know, I, I would not like to see him in one of those positions, but I think you could do it in a mm-hmm. certain scenario where you don't have John Joe Kenny or Niles and Cuckoo to play one of those positions. Uh, but yeah. If, if, if we're talking about this scenario where those two guys get loaned out, I think 
you're going to be forced to play an awful lot of three at the back and, and maybe some four at the back every once in a while. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I have no idea how we would handle that. The idea of us loaning out the only fullback depth we have is just without replacing it seems absurd. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, bleh. You know, I don't yeah, even it sounds know. terrible, doesn't it? What would, uh, there's why? no way. There, there's just why? there's no way you could do it. It wouldn't be possible. I mean, not unless they had something that didn't come through at the end of the summer, and someone's itching to come in. Yeah, you know, that's all I got. And and like, as we know, and purchasing players as we know in January is awful value. So yeah, really bad idea. Anyway, it's a tough question because we don't like the idea of it happening. But we're playing out a hypothetical here. So there it is. You know I mean? Yeah, it just it just makes your squad so much weaker than it already is. So yep. bad idea. Hopefully that doesn't happen, and, and we can. And I think John Joe Kenny and Niels and Cuckoo will actually get some time with the congested fixture list coming up and with the League Cup coming back into play, I think, at the end of December or the beginning of January. Mm. I don't remember. Maybe it's the FA Cup. I don't remember. No, League Cup United match is coming up later December, I believe. And then we've got our first FA Cup match coming up too, right? We're playing uh, Rotherham. Rotherham? Got it. Got it. All right. So. On to the next one. This is a depressing question. Let's move on to something a little different. Um, Portland Eric has a few questions. Okay. Number one from Portland Eric. What positions do we need to upgrade to compete for Champions League? Where's your upgrades? Well, first off, if we're talking about striving for Champions League, then goalkeeper needs to be the number one priority on that list. Jordan Pickford is statistically one of the worst keepers in the entire Premier League now that Kepa Ariza Balaga is not playing anymore. Um, he's terrible. I mean, like... I know, I know. I, I know he's had some good games here recently, and he was okay again in the Burnley match. Uh but he's he's just not the about striving for Champions League, right? Um, you have to upgrade at winger, I think, both left and right side. I think you would need upgrades at both of those positions to better your chances at Champions League. You would need an upgrade at right back because Seamus Coleman, he's good. He's not great. He's only going to get older. He's only going to get worse, more injury prone. So you would have to upgrade it right back. You would need, you would need a really top quality center back in my opinion. And right now Everton just, they don't have that. They've got good center backs, not great center backs. Look, I mean, like I know I've said a lot of uh, positions, but that's, that's the reality of this situation. He's talking about competing for champions league and, I don't know if he means like competing in Champions League or just trying to qualify 
I think you it's probably, compete for Champions League. Yeah. Okay. So you probably Champions don't League need spot. All okay. Yeah. You know, you probably don't need all of those positions for a Champions League spot, but I would replace Pickford if you want to secure Champions League. I would replace Seamus Coleman if you want to secure Champions League, and you need a right winger. That and I, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with any three of those choices. So that that's what I'll go with. Now, if you're talking about competing in Champions League, you're going to need to do everything that I just said. Like all of those positions need overhaul. With you, uh, my immediate reaction when I read the question was, our starting eleven is pretty sound. If I think about our healthy starting eleven, our healthy starting eleven. The thing that I immediately jumped to is we need competition for Seamus Coleman to be so so that we don't lose lose a step when he's out, right? Because yeah. he when when he's in and he's healthy, we're doing all right. But yeah. when he's not, and uh, we need competition for Jordan Pickford, Pickford, because uh, I do think when he's at his best, he's a starter and he's great. He just hasn't been at his best for a while. So I want, I want somebody that's going to push him. Somebody where he's like in practice, he's like, damn, if I don't work hard, that guy's going to start over. Me. <laughs> and when's the last time? I wonder if he's looked over his shoulder anytime recently. I don't know if he has, you know? And I, I feel like that's something that, you know, would help. Carlo knows what he's doing. Carlo keeps reassuring, like, hey, you're the guy. You got, you know, cool. But, yeah, I would, in, in the other position that I would, I would focus on depth-wise is that others other center mid position those you know those three in the four three three you know yeah. alana decore i feel like our starters that other one i never know who's gonna be at that other position may that end up being uh gabami i don't know uh if andre gomez gets healthy is he is he gonna fill that role i don't know gilfie goes in a good run, run of form i don't know ah yes yeah. see i know i know <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the problem is we just have so much those are uncertainties you know um and and everything else is depth depth you know Mm -hmm. because uh it would be cool if richarlison's out we can put somebody in there james is out who's going to be creating who's going to who's going to be creating chances if who's going to be our starting striker if dcl is out right that would be chen kosen that's a problem so this is what I'm talking about. Uh, for me, my, my biggest concern is less starters. More, let's, let's back it up. Let's back it up. And the problem is quality players usually that are a sure thing do not want to come in if they are thinking, oh, I might not be a starter. I might be depth. You know what I mean? So Especially that's where – Everton. Yes. It's a weird it's it's a weird thing. A lot of people are cool being depth if your club's in Champions League. Right. So it's gonna be a problem unless we can start being astute with our buys. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so old potentially older players, you know, who are still quality but maybe not as good at investments. Or taking a risk on a young player, you know, big time potential. But they may not start right out of the gate, they may get pissed off. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, but I think the trends for both of us on that were keeper, right back, center mid. You know what I mean? You went, yeah, you went center mid 
which I could understand as long as you, you know, maybe GB Gabamon doesn't work out. I yeah. went with right winger. Right winger. I feel like yes, that a, was the other one. a really quality right winger to pair up with Richarlison and James Rodriguez, especially James Rodriguez, because if you buy a right winger, you could play James Rodriguez more as like a 10 and have him float That's around a little bit more. And you should take a whole bunch of pressure off of him and just make the attack so much more fluid. So you would be running more of a four-two-three-one at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'm with you now. Hey, understanding. All right. So <laughs> next, uh, another Portland Eric question. Question: uh, Which sacred players need to leave for Everton to win the league? I think what he means are there in players that you players that you feel like are like Everton darlings. You feel like would need to go. I think this is, I'm not going to say, maybe unrealistic is a bit of an unfair thing to say, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. Like, I think it's just, this is a bit of an unrealistic question mm-hmm. because I don't think even if you sell a darling like Richarlison, which is going to happen, like that's a fact, maybe not this summer, maybe not next summer, but that's going to happen. Before his prime is up, he's going to be sold, and he's going to be sold for a ton of money mm-hmm. um, unless something catastrophic happens, right? Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll play along. I'll, I'll start off by saying that maybe that's not realistic, but I'll play along. I'm going to go with this a little bit. I'm going to play with it. So if we're going to say that selling one darling player is going to get us into the title, right? I think it's got to be Richarlison. Mm. Um, he's not your main goal scorer. I know he's a massive part of this squad. He's not your main goal scorer. You've got James Rodriguez who can set up goals still. You've got Luca Dean who is not going to provide you with the same number of assists or goals as Richarlison, but he's going to be among the league leaders in assists for defenders year in and year out, right? And then if you take that money that you sold Richarlison for, which is going to be a king's ransom, Mm-hmm. and redistribute it and invest it properly, you're going to be able to replace him probably threefold, right? Maybe not in terms of overall quality, but like the quantity matched with quality and just building a squad that way. I mean, like, then then you could convince me that maybe if they reinvest properly that they could win the league. Especially mm-hmm. with this squad they have now. You know, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin can keep scoring goals, if you can uh, strengthen that midfield, you can get a right back, a surefire starting right back who can do the same thing that Lucas Dean is doing, right? And mm-hmm. you can replace Jordan Pickford. I mean, you're talking about a really strong squad. Not, you know, not to mention bring in a couple other guys with that money that you got for Richarlison, right? Mm-hmm. And you could bring in some more depth and just build the squad out a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think if I'm going to answer this question, I would, I think the darling I would sell is Rich Arlison. I think that's the, the, the answer I'd go with. Yeah. It's hard. It is. It's really hard. It, additionally, you know, you look at the kind of fee 
that DCL would command right now. Um, yeah. I mean, he's very valuable right now. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think about it in terms of, okay, pretend, and, and I, I realize there's a far distance between Atletico Madrid and, you know, teams like Atletico or Dortmund and where we're at right now. I know that, okay? So I'm not comparing these kind of things. However, I think about the fact that they sell big players. They sell big players every few years. Big, major players that they have already begun phasing out because they know they're going to have to sell them soon. Yep. So they see it coming. They jump on it. So, I mean, so when they, when they thought Pulisic might be going out the door, they started playing Sancho a lot more. A lot more. So Sancho might be going out the door. They started playing other players. I mean, they're just smart like that, right? Yeah. Because they, they've got the system. They're not opposed to selling the big, the big player when they need to. And, uh, and it, I'm, oh God, imagining a world without Richarlison on Everton sucks. Really yeah, sucks. Uh, but here's yeah. the deal. If he's, I've gotten a vibe from interviews with Richarlison from over the summer with ba where basically it was like, hey, I've talked to Carlo. I told Carlo I'm going to give him a shot this year. And if it doesn't work out, then I, I may move on. You know, yeah. it's starting uh, outside of the social media antics of Richarlison, which are the best things going on Everton Twitter. So good. Um, outside of that aspect, it's, it's starting to feel a lot like the Lukaku situation. I don't think it's that bad. That was awful. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean like, yeah, it was awful. But at the time, it's, do you remember right before Lukaku was sold – where it was looking like he was about to sign a long-term deal. Do you remember that? Yes. Where we were like, yeah, we're locking up Lukaku. This is awesome. I don't think that it's going to go like that at all. Like, I think it's going to be a very amicable split. Mm -hmm. And I think for Charleston, I think he, he's very clearly in love with this club and he yeah. loves playing here. But the man's also got these massive ambitions. He wants to play... I think PSG is a perfect place for Richarlison. You could play with Neymar and Mbappe. Oh, wow. Just good Lord. Forget about it. You might as well hand them everything. If you're, if you're going to play <laughs> with Richarlison, Neymar, and Mbappe across the front line, what are you going to lose? Like, who are you going to lose to? That's insane. Uh, but I, 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 I know it's not the same exact thing. But I'm starting to get those early feelings where, like, I know Richarlison right now is too good for Everton, but he likes being here. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be a time, and it's going to be soon, where there's going to be an undeniable offer from a big club where you're just going to have to bite the bullet and be like, look, this is a really good chance for us to make some money, balance our books a little bit, and reshuffle the squad and make it stronger. And – so here's, here's the difference between the two situations for me. And I get what you mean about feeling like he's going. I'm with you on that. So now, I'm, now I know the comparison. You're drawing a little bit more. Um, I guess it's his attitude just seems a lot better than Lukaku's at the time. Lukaku oh, now sure. says nice stuff about Everton. He seems a lot more level-headed now than he used to be. He would just go off on international duty every single time and just like, oh, I'm getting out of there whenever I can. You know, and 
and I've only heard the one interview, read the one interview with, with Charleston, which I'm not completely sure about the translation. Um, uh, but it seemed like he was like being very rational in it. So he did he wasn't talking trash. He was kind of like, oh, here's the situation. Right. I'm going to do yeah. this and la, la, la. And I think if it's, if it's Richarlison pushing, um, that's when I think, you know, if a player is pushing and we can use that dollar to that, that dollars, dollars, we're American. <laughs> we can use that money to put toward a little more squad depth and a player's kind of ready to roll. Uh, that's something to consider. It is. Now, it's a good question by Portland, Eric. These are painful questions. Yeah, I though, think so. These are Band-Aid questions. Are. These are tough, man. I need to answer them quickly and get them over with. <laughs> um, last question from Portland, Eric. Would you rather finish eighth with older players playing, like Bernard and Gilfie, eating up the minutes, or finish 13th with U23 players, U23's players getting minutes? I don't like this question. I know. It's hard. Portland Eric is like Portland Eric's giving some good questions. They're hard. He's grilling us this week, man. He is absolutely grilling us. Uh, so the way I look at that is like eighth and thirteen are essentially the same, right? You're not getting anywhere near Europe in either of those places, and in thirteenth, you're not in any danger of being relegated. So. I'd probably go with the younger squad. I want to see what younger players can do. Do you think I want to sit here every damn week and watch Gilfie Sigerson try to finish that shot every week? I wouldn't want to bang my head against the wall, even if we finish eighth. In fact, finishing eighth is probably worse because then I'm looking and we finish two spots below Europa League with nonsensical old players who – Okay, Gilfrey Singerson's not old. That's the wrong word. But he's not He's not what we want. Yeah. I'd rather play with young players and see, especially with the way that Everton have treated their youth, I would like to see what we have with some of these young players. And if they're good enough to finish, I mean, 13th is not a good place to finish, but if we're playing a, a whole bunch of U20 along with some of our other core guys and we finish mm-hmm. 13th but we lose a couple matches by a ton of goals because we're playing young players then so be it but we got to see what we have at some point right yeah I want to be fun like Jake I want to be fun like Jake and say <laughs> I'll play the U23s but I'm an old fuddy-duddy and immediately <laughs> I was like nope TV money there's more TV money in eighth than there is in 13th. And so, yeah, that's it. I, but that's just me. Like I said, being an old fuddy duddy thinking <laughs> the club need money. Do I think the other one would be more fun? I think the other option would be more fun, you know, but I also worry if some of those players are getting thrown out there before they should, that's a developmental thing that, may not be the right thing yeah so that's man that's a tough that is a hard question because i i'm a bit i'm also a big believer that you know if a player's close going through the growing pains and then you know going ahead and getting that over with this season yeah but i i honestly though 
see, I, I, I'm starting to talk about a situation that's not the question. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to be like, no, this season's still alive. We still got European chances here. But that's not the question. The question is eighth with Bernard and Gelfie or 13th with the young, hip, the young, hip, fun guys. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, we split, we split on that one. Another really hard question. Yes. Next, Carlo Fantastico asks, do you think DCL will surpass Lukaku's 26 goals in all competitions from the 2016-17 season? Do you think that will happen this season? Okay, so he's got what? Uh, he's got 11 in the league right now, and how many total? I think he's got 14 I don't know. total. I have not even looked it up. I think he's got 14 total right now. If he doesn't have 14, he's got 13 total right now. So mm -hmm. we're at 11 games played in the league, and he's got 11 goals. So he's got 11 and 11. How many did they play in a season? Well, it, if it, well, here's the thing. It's normally, let's see here, uh, 19 times 2, 38. And then you've got the cup competitions. So that depends. I was, I was just talking like strictly league, right? So if he's got 11 and 11 yeah, right now, he's on track for 38 league goals, right? Mm-hmm. If he scored one in, if he scored 11 goals in 11 matches. That'd be crazy. I mean, that's not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen. That would be bonkers and one of the best records in Premier League history. Mm-hmm. But to answer the question, I, I have a really hard time answering questions tonight for whatever reason. I get off track and then I come back to the question. I'm sorry. Uh, to answer <laughs> the question, I yeah, I think right now if you're looking at the form that he's in and the way he's scoring goals and getting himself into position to score goals, I think him at least matching that 26 record is not out of the question at all. And I think I think he'll definitely at least match it. Breaking it, I think that's another thing. And, and, you know, if this continues, there's not going to be an issue with that at all. But right now, matching it is, is for sure on the radar, I would say. I am going to be bold. Every once in a while, I'm bold. Often, I am a dancing around answering straight question. No, I'm going to be bold here. He's going to score more. Than 26 goals in all competitions this season. Ooh. More. Wow. It's happening. I'd love to see it. DCL. He's really good. He's happening. His growth has, has been phenomenal. Well, we're giving him some really good opportunities. And yes. he, he's getting used to being in front of goal. And he's absolutely, yeah, it's happening. His one-touch finishing ability has gone through the roof, man. He takes one touch, bang, it's on target. The more you're there, the more comfortable you get. And additionally, he, I mean, he's got some great people, like, putting balls in for him. So, yes. yeah. It's, yeah. Some of these are on a plate, and some of these he's having to bust his ass to get. But you know what? He's doing it's it all the same. It. Yep. So, last question from 9Yoshi5. And these past few have been from Reddit, by the way. Uh, given Carlo Ancelotti's numerous accolades, um, 
would you see it as a failure if Everton don't win anything or make significant progress during his time here? Especially considering future managers at Everton aren't likely to have his pedigree. And I reworded some of that. It was much more, right. it was much yeah. more eloqu eloquently put together, nine Yoshi five. I just had a, I just didn't have much space on the note card. You know what I mean? I said chop it down just a little bit. I just didn't. I made the mistake okay. of, of writing too yeah. big at the top. You know? <laughs> Rookie move. Every Rookie time. Move. What am I thinking? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay. Man. So, yeah, I think absolutely you would have to look at it as a failure. And I'm, a, I'm even going to take it to an extreme where he, he had some qualifiers, like if they don't make significant progress or win anything. But I'm right. going to say if they don't win anything with Carlo at the helm, it's a failure. And I yeah. think Carlo will tell you the same thing. Because Carlo has come here and he's looked at the, the vision that Brands has, you know, fed to him before he signed as manager. And he wants, he's everything that he said, he's wanted to win with Everton and he wants to win things with Everton. And I think, I think if you ask Carlo even about this question, if they don't win a cup or, you know, the league, <laughs> wow, that'd be something. Um, then it's, <laughs> it's a failure, you know? I, I think maybe if you get into the Champions League a couple times, you could make a case that it wasn't a failure. I, I mean, they haven't been yes. in the Champions League in many, many, many years. That's progress. Uh, that is progress, yeah. right? But for me, for me personally, I, I'd like, I need some silverware. You know, there's got to be a trophy in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not as obsessed with having uh, a manager slip in behind him that has the same pedigree i'm not yeah. because i am under the impression that we are building a squad right building a squad and and that whenever whenever the time comes where carlo does leave everton as a whole will be in a better position than when carlo came in okay I just think that's going to be the case. So I'm not really considering uh, the second, the last part of that question, because I think we're going to be better off. And even if someone comes in yeah. without his pedigree, we're going to be in a better place and they're going to have a better foundation on which to build. Right. Yeah. Um, I think significant progress. It, it's do I want to win things? Yes. Um, Significant progress, yes. I mean, it would be considered a, a failure. I hate saying that because now I'm rethinking saying it. That's a strong friggin' word. You know what I mean? A failure. But you know I think I mean? it's a necessary word, you know? Yeah. Failure is, you know, especially in the world of managing a football club, there are certain expectations, and if you don't meet the board's expectations, you're a failure and you get sacked. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, yeah. what, what, what Everton fans need to hope for is not a sacking of Carlo Ancelotti, but him stepping down and stepping away. Right. Feeling and, like he's done enough to right. set them off on their path. That's what we need to see. We can't keep sacking managers. And especially now we cannot. honestly, unless something goes drastically long, wrong, 
we shouldn't be sacking Carlo Ancelotti under any circumstances. It would be very difficult. It would be very difficult to because, rationalize certain things. I mean, the job that he's done so far, and, and people are going to point to the results and the points and this, that, and the next thing, but look at what he's working with and what he's doing with the materials that he has. If he's able to get what he wants and the squad he wants, this team is going to win things. Mm-hmm. And it's going to win a lot of things. And winning the league is not out of the question. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, it's not. If teams like Leicester can do it, Everton can do it. It can happen. I think my frustration with previous managers is not understanding the rationale, not understanding yeah. the thought process, and trying to figure out why. You know, uh, Roberto Martinez, I, I love the guy, but I got to the point where I got so frustrated because – there's no vision at all. It was the, well, well, the problem is like he had this plan and it was one plan, you know, and it was such a lack of alterations. It, it was very frustrating game in, game out, game in, game out to see the same stuff. And, and I was just dying for changes, man, dying for them. And it just never, but with Ancelotti, I can sit there and look at Carlo and be like, you know what? The changes he's making, I can rationalize them. I can figure out I, – I, I feel like I can see where he's going with that. Is it exactly what I do? I don't know about that. But at least I can explain it, right. you know, uh, which I'm, I kind of like. I like that. Um, and I like adjusting based on circumstances and not just going yeah. and making the same mistake over and over again. You know, I don't like that. So uh, do I have to technically say it would be a failure – if we didn't make Champions League while he is here. And I mean, and I would definitely have to say it if we didn't get Europa League. Okay. But if our, if Everton builds an identity, we bulk up the squad and we're getting Europe constantly, that is progress. I just don't know how significant it is if we're not talking Champions League. Right? Yeah. Now, winning a cup is different. That is a different thing. It's a very yes or no type of thing. Did you win the cup? Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, Jesus Christ, these mailbag mailbag questions. It's like taking the friggin' SAT, Jake. <laughs> I right. never took the SAT. I wouldn't know. Did you ever take any of those standardized test nonsense I, things? I mean, just the one at the end of high school, and that was that was about it. Still, I get the point. Standardized testing is brutal and terrible and needs to go away forever. It made you, you feel like you've just run a 5K, essentially. So, yeah. All right, let's move on. No more mailbag. Mailbag, done. Goodbye, mailbag. Uh, we play Chelsea this week. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes, we do. Um, and we don't have you to score a perfect hat trick. No. My, my, my Naismith reference. Yay. <laughs> uh, it's a callback to the first episode we did. With it Jay. is. Wow. That's for you, the first time watching this episode <laughs> with me. All right. So, my uh, Naismith. Right. Uh, so, really quick, current form, the third in the Premier League, uh, with 22 points, or 6 4 and 1. Uh, they just finished top of their Champions League group. After a 1-1 draw with Krasnodar, 
Uh, before that, they, they beat Leeds 3-1. Um, they had a before that they had a four nil win over Sevilla, which is with dang. Olivier Giroud scoring all four goals. By the way, would have been an Everton player if it weren't for his wife, which significant bummer could really use Olivier Giroud. I, I love whatever. I, I love that guy. I, I, I was I was so hurt when he left. I took it personally. like a fine wine that man is. <laughs> And uh, before that, they had a nil-nil draw with Spurs. Uh, they got uh, Mourinho masterclassed on that one. That was a good match. Um, notable, really inju- good match. notable injuries. Uh, Hakeem Ziyech is probably still going to be out. Uh, I think he got – he got That's good uh, for us. Yeah, because yeah, he's solid. Um, he was out last week, and I think they said he'll be, uh, he'll be out for two weeks. Um, additionally, I think Hudson-Odoi also – is supposed to be out. These are people who were projected to be out for two weeks, so they've been out for one so far. This will be the second, I think. Um, so possible Chelsea lineup. Uh, that new keeper there is looking good. Uh, Mandy. Mendy's, yeah. Good. Mendy's very good. Yeah. yeah. He's solid. Uh, Reese James, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma. Uh, that one hurts still. Oh, uh, no. No! Uh, yeah. Free Zuma. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know if he wants to be freed anymore. Uh, and uh, been in uh, Chilwell, left back. Um, could see Kovacic, Conte, and uh, Mason Mount. Um, but you never know, you may see Kai Havertz uh, getting into that grouping as well. Um, and then across the front, you could see Timo Werner, uh, Giroud, or maybe Tammy Abraham, um, Christian Pulisic, or you could see Kai Havertz uh, making his way across the front line as well. Guys, pretty no. diverse. So Having heard all that, who who are you worried about? Um, so it's really by the real quick. By the way, it's really interesting that they're having a hard time just finding a place for Kai Havertz. I thought that was a, a pretty unnecessary buy by Chelsea anyway, mm-hmm. and now they're having a hard time finding a place where he kind of fits into the squad, and they're trying mm-hmm. to mix him around and and find a place. That's really interesting. But anyway, um, no, uh, the player that worries me the most, um, that midfield is going to be really tough to deal with, with the way we're setting up. So we're going to three at the back. There's going to be uh, ample space for those guys to just kind of wonder. And the guy I, I, I have, I have the worst suspicion about is, is Kovacic. Uh, he's a good player. He's a really, really good player an excellent of the ball, um, a real box-to-box kind of player, too, um, can, and can do it on both ends of the pitch. Um, so he's a guy that, that I kind of look at and I'm just like, that could create an awful lot of problems for Everton in this match. In fact, like the, the entire squad, really, just top to bottom, is, is just – it's going to be a struggle, without a doubt. Um, yeah. The, the guy that you think – you would think is like Timo Werner, but – Timo Werner's had a tough time finishing this year. He's yeah. he's he's missed a lot of like pretty easy chances for Timo Werner. So the guy, uh, I'll go with Kovacic. I think he's a guy that we're gonna have to watch out for and and really stick on and pay attention to. Yeah, uh, Kovacic, Kovacic honestly is one of my favorite players to watch. I love watching him. Uh, I feel like he moves like a cat. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, he's, I, he's very light on his feet. He's so slick on the ball. Uh, he's just a player every single time I watch Chelsea play. And I'm just like, oh, whoa, who is – oh, it's freaking Kovacic. Yeah, no wonder. You know, it's, it just happens to me every time because I always forget about him. And then he's there. He's just – yeah, he's just a slick player, man. Um, uh, I agree. My first instinct is is to be worried about that midfield. Yeah, I absolutely am worried about them. Um, and then my next instinct is to be worried about the guy you were lamenting us not getting. Uh, Olivier Giroud. Uh, I, I realize we've got some big guys who are good in the air. I realize that. Yep. But guess what? Not as good as him. Giroud is not just a one-touch finisher with his head. He's really good at finding a way to make a break. And without a lot of speed, mind you, finds a way to time his runs perfectly and just to be able to receive the ball just behind, cutting behind your center back, receive that diagonal ball. And, yeah, it's a – it's just he scores a lot like that, and I, I don't like it. I really don't. Um, no. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried worried about all that. Uh, they're talented. They have definitely upped their game. Uh, they're a difficult team to play right now. You know, and the other thing is, I hadn't seen the Olivier Giroud uh, hat trick in the Champions League until earlier this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. There were yeah. some, I mean, just incredibly skillful goals. Mm-hmm. That backflick header, I mean, like, come come on. He come does on. that kind of crazy he, crap, he, man. He's, he's, he scored that ridiculous scorpion kick goal a couple years yeah. back. That was just the most insane thing I've ever seen. You're just like, this is Olivier Giroud. He's not supposed to be this. No. He yeah. didn't even start every week. No. No. It's They're starting Tammy Abraham. Yep. Or Thibaut Vernon. It's just that's the squad depth we need. We need yep. Olivier Giroud to be able to come in and score ten goals off the bench. Yep. You're full you're fully you're not off on this man. It's <laughs> Yeah. I, I agree, man. That's that that would be the second guy I'd look to like, wow, that's gonna be a problem. Yuri Mina is probably gonna have to start in this match. And I I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah. Um how do you think we are gonna line up? Would are do you wanna do the thing where you uh you give who you want to start? Or are you gonna say who you think? I, I think I'll we'll go with who I think is gonna start. And I do believe it's going to be three at the back. Um, again, I think it's going to be – I think this time it might actually be Holgate, uh, Mina Keen, or, you know, flip-flop Mina and Keen mm-hmm. to different positions to have Keen more towards the – or Mina towards the left side and Keen in the middle. I think that might work out better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then – with your midfielders and wingbacks you're talking about. I, I, I think Alex Awobi plays better as a wingback on the left side than he does on the right side. I think that link up between Richarlison and Iwobi could be very useful. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll go with uh, Alex Awobi. So I guess it's what, a 3-4-3 three, three, technically? That switches to five at the back when we're on defense. you're right. Yeah, okay. So you're right. you'll go with Decore and Alon in the middle. 
I think they'll play. I think Tom Davies will come back into the squad and play right wing back. If it's not Tom Davies, I think it'll be Andre Gomez because Fabian Delft's not available. Now, here's the other thing is if, if Jeeva Means available, that could throw a wrench into things and we could see him come into the squad. Maybe. And I think maybe he could play right wing back, potentially. He's not my first choice, but I don't know. That'd be a tough one. You're right. I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine it. It'd be tough. I always, always see him as a t- center. Yeah, so do I. But, like, in, in a pinch, like, is he athletic enough to run up and down the pitch all match long? And does he have the passing ability? I don't know. I have no I idea. I don't know either. I don't know yet. But he's just been out for so long. That'd be a rough right. one to come We don't know at. what to expect. Right. So, yeah. And, and we don't know what's going on in training. And I, I – so – I would think it would be more likely that it would be Tom Davies, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the natural choice if we're going to go wing back. Um, and then across the front three, it's really easy. It's Richarlison, it's Dominic Albert-Lewin, it's Hamas Rodriguez um, with Jordan Pickford in the goal, although Robin Olsen should probably be starting at this point. Whatever. So first question I have for you. Are we 100% sure that Seamus Coleman is out? That's the other thing is like if Shaman Coleman is back, that opens the door to maybe possibly switching back to a back four and keeping things more compact and easier to keep in front of you and maybe shutting down that midfield a little bit. You could have a holding midfielder and, and play, you know, mm-hmm. a four four two or something like that, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, a four two three one. That would be even even better. So that. So I'm I'm rolling the dice and hoping Coleman's healthy. That'd be great. Uh, so I didn't I, even I, think about that. Yeah, you're right. I'm just gonna roll the dice on it and uh, and I, and I've gone back and forth while I've been sitting here talking about this. I feel like if this were last week, we would be starting three in the back with the wing backs. Um, but Coleman potentially being healthy, uh, Pickford and goal, Coleman on the right, Yerry Mina. Michael Kane, uh, and then uh, it's hard to, to not say like say it like Michael Kane for some reason. Uh, and then uh, uh, do we think Godfrey gets the nod at left back at that point, or do we think it will be because it's not left wing back, it's left back. Yeah, I'm not sure that Alex Iwobi can play a straight up left back position. I I don't know about that either. Yeah. I think if you're going to go for it at the back and you're going to play an actual defender, it would probably be Ben Godfrey. Although I don't know why you would keep Niels and Kunku out if you're going to play for it at the back. Yeah. On a slot. I know that's a really tough competition that you're, and he's not played an awful lot of first team football, which would play into it. So you're probably right. It probably would be Ben Godfrey, but then you're going to have that same issue that we face against Burnley where the right yeah. side's going to be isolated. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So yeah. And, and typically what I, I, what I, I would feel more comfortable knowing that we had one outside back who was more mobile and would get forward a lot more and the other one more defensive. Like I'm okay with one of them seeming like, so if Coleman plays, I do feel like he's going to be flying forward a lot. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I just wish the person who was flying forward was opposite the wing of James so he could swing that. Yeah. That was my big issue there. Yep. Uh, Decore, Alon, 
Andre Gomes in the middle, and then Hamas DCL Richarlison. Um, what's your prediction, man? I think this is going to be ugly. Uh, so usually Chelsea is actually one of my favorite fixtures across the entire season. They tend to be really fun matches. Uh, I know there was a nil-nil draw a couple years ago at Stamford Bridge that was really ugly and physical. Mm-hmm. And there's been, you know, there was the three, three, I went back and I actually watched the highlights of a three, three draw. And like, I think it was from like the 2015, 2016 season. Um, and it was that crazy match where Everton jumped out to a two nil lead with um, uh, Morales scoring on a half volley. And, and I don't remember who scored the first goal. I believe it was, I don't remember. And then Chelsea came back quick fire, bang, bang. Uh, Diego Costa and Cesc Fabregas. And then super late on in that match, Ramiro Funes Mori sticks a foot out, taps it in, jumps into the crowd at Stanford Bridge. We thought we won, right? And then, you know, in the 99th minute of ni- or seven minutes of stoppage time, John Terry scores an offsides goal and yep. score, you know, rescues a point. That was actually the funny, uh, that was like the first time Everton made me like supremely angry. And, and it wasn't even Everton that made me angry was on he, that it one. It was a ref. He was a mile off sides. It was impossible not to see. Yeah. Impossible. I, yeah. I got mad all over again watching it. I'm like, this was a really bad idea. Yeah. But they, uh, they tend to be really fun fixtures, you know, especially at Goodison Park. You know, <laughs> Everton have had a really couple of famous wins. The Stephen Naismith perfect hat trick. The 3-1 win with... Duncan Ferguson in charge. I'm sure everyone has seen those yeah. videos popping back up on Twitter this week because the anniversary of that match. Yeah, it was, was a good basically. one. And it was so fun. Yeah. You know, Duncan Ferguson running up and down the sideline with his wristband on, hugging ball boys. Just so fun. And it was just a really good time. Uh, but this is not going to be one of those occasions, unfortunately. I think this is going to be a really uh, bad bloodbath for Everton. It's going to be a really big gut kick, gut kick I think it's going to be like 4-1 to Chelsea with yeah where they're just gonna they're really just gonna tear us to shreds because the way I'm looking at it is it's 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 gonna be three at the back and every time we play three at the back the midfield is just so open and they're just gonna have all yeah. the space in the world to do whatever they want and they're just they're so potent it's just uh it's, it scares me so Unfortunately, this is the first time this season that I have predicted Everton to lose. So we're going to hope that I do a reverse jinx and we win four to one, right? That's what yes. we're going for. Agreed. I, uh, Jake, I'll go ahead and tell you, I may have lost my damn mind with this prediction. Um, no. Oh, I was no. going to predict a loss, and then I remembered fans were going to be there. Yes. And I don't know why. I was just so psyched and I got the idea of fans, especially some fans that I may even know being there at that and being back. Yes. For some reason, the mojo, I don't know what, man. So I, I have lost my damn mind. You got it. Give picking it to us, us. Picking us a uh, two, one win. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's hoping we go for at the back and that's hoping we get some seriously good vibes from, uh, from some of the some of the peeps. How how great would it be if Seamus Coleman and Gabamon were both announced to be back this week? 
What a massive boost that would be to the squad. Just really would. Phenomenal. Absolutely. So yeah, it would feel good. So any other last words on Chelsea, man? No, I just uh, – I'm really hoping that it's another one of these really fun matches. Having fans back at Goodison Park is going to be so cool. Um, you know, listening to the siren and Z cars with fans in the stands is just going to be – it's going to be that awesome moment. Um, and we're, we're just – we're starting to get vaccinations going in the U.K., so we're getting this much closer to having a, a rocking Goodison Park watching – James Rodriguez for the first time. Mm. So like I'm getting really excited because we're getting we're getting so close to being back to normal football and and watching Goodison Park be packed with crazy scousers, you know, yelling all kinds of obscenities towards the players and telling them to shoot from ridiculous ranges and just I'm excited. So I'm really hoping that the fans who get to go get to see a good match and, and we get a, a big win, a win that this, this club could really use to carry momentum, especially in the slide that they're in right now where they haven't won a match since Fulham and have only won one of their last six. So mm. that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Fans, get, fans back at Goodison Park, baby. You love to see it. Yeah, I want to hear some. I want to. I want to hear the songs that come forth. I haven't. I want to hear some Carlo Fantastico. I want to hear. I want to hear them singing about Richie at the top of their lungs. Yes, he is Brazilian. That's right, and that's uh, my kid. Getting my kids singing that again, <laughs> preferably not not singing the. Uh, the, the one part, lyrics. the one part, you know, the 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 safe for work version of it. Yep. Yep. We think he's freaking brilliant. <laughs> we think he's super brilliant. Super brilliant. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, that's uh, that's the end of the show. That's We're it, done. baby. We're that's done. Right. That's right. Uh, Tough mailbag. An interesting yeah. match coming up this weekend. I feel like we that. got a late kickoff this weekend. We're the three o'clock match. That's get so, in there. That's that's awesome. That's so cool. We don't uh, have to get up at six in the morning. The West Coasters actually get to watch in the middle of the afternoon. That would be yeah, because I never have that, like uh, the difficulties that people in the other time zones do. You know, yes. for me, like last week was the worst. I worst I have it. I woke up the same time I normally do for work, and rolled out of bed, turned on the TV, and uh, yeah, here we were. Yeah, so but so now it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. I just always have issues watching games on a Saturday because my kids play games on Saturdays, and if it's during the day, I'm probably gonna have to watch it recorded later. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll probably get the big crew. We'll probably get Arlo White and uh, Graham Lasso. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't know. Just want to play well. Shit. Just That'd be nice. Well. Yeah. All right, so uh, everybody out there, I want to make sure I give uh, give a shout out to uh, to Jake here and say thank you for for joining me on the show again. My pleasure. Uh, he's uh, getting his frequent guests card. Freaking water, baby. Which will be good at all uh, Kmart stores. Uh-huh. Uh, he'll be able to use those points. Tart. Do you have a miles of- card that I can use at the airport and it has a lounge? <laughs> uh, 
I, I mean, it's you're, I think the you Toffee get, Blues Lounge. Any make any that a thing? discounts on oven mitt wear? I think we can <laughs> we can find we can hook you up. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did want to make sure uh, check out uh, Toffee Targets. Uh, Jake uh, contributes there often. You see his work there. Um, yeah, and, and just follow him on the twitters. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. Peer pressure. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. So next, another little bit of pluggery, plugation, pluggeration. Uh, down below, I mentioned. Click on that link, Everton Direct link. If you're if you're buying Everton Direct stuff for yourself or other people this holiday season, click on the link. Good things abound. Just saying. Um, next, check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to us on the YouTube if you're not already. Um, and uh, yeah, last thing. There I it is. A, I wrote a book. It's a Christmas book. Uh, yeah, there's a moose. And this whole thing came from me mistaking a reindeer for a moose. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's about a moose who likes to run. As it's really it's a third grade reading level maybe it's good to read to young kids there's lessons and stuff but i wouldn't say it's totally uh cheese ball or hokey and i will say um there's a moment where uh where our, our hero actually puts santa in his place wow just gonna say it crazy it happens yeah what so story randolph the christmas moose available on amazon and other places so Jake, cool that's, stuff. It. that's it i i'm maybe i'm learning to to actually market my book man i don't know anyway <laughs> self-conscious about that forever uh anyway jake thanks thanks for your time man it's good to talk to you as cool always I, again, I, I still man. i still dig the hell out of that kit this was one of my favorites man so this good. was a, this this was the uh the second year that we were in Europa League since I've been a supporter, and it was the year where we like completely fell flat on our face. Awful. Yes, but Gilfie Sigerson scored a worldie of a goal from the halfway line. Friggin midfield. I think it was his. Yes. I think it was his first goal for Everton. By the way, so crazy. No man, I I just remember it was at a time where I wasn't like I didn't have a ton of money, and so I just couldn't get that. It sucked. Really hurt. I think this is the first kid I ever bought. It's got Coleman on the back. That's a good one. Hey, that's a good player. That's a that's a well chosen player for the back. I like it. Because in America, we like to have players on our jerseys. That's right. <clears throat> that's right. Just saying. It doesn't make us ten years old. <laughs> Although some people would say it would. Yeah. Anyway. So we're gonna peace out, everybody. Much love. Thanks so much. Jake, take care. Have a good have a good weekend, man. Talk to yes. you soon. Please join me again. Always good talking to you. Buddy. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody else out there, uh, have a have a good one. Let's let's get three points. Let's. Nobody's expecting us to beat Chelsea. Surprise them, you know. No no uh, no Giroud, meaty French forehead goals. Going to happen, right? Everybody, thanks so much out there. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. All right. See you guys.